Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome. I am Grant McGall, CEO of Five Star BDM and host of the Follow the Brand podcast and TV show. What are the five words that define you? How do you combine leadership and branding into a tapestry of communication to build billion-dollar businesses? To be a great brander, you must know the inner workings of people, says my next guest, Brenda Bentz. Bentz is very clear on her goals, and she knows clearly what success looks like and works towards that end. Her five words are expert, professional, approachable, engaging, and humorous. She asks the question, what are the self-limiting beliefs that you are holding onto that are holding you back from fulfilling your work? Listen to this Brand Master episode and learn about how stress impacts your personal brand. Learn about the way people perceive, think, and feel about themselves and the outside world and how to achieve a change in perception. Leadership is foundational in how you are being, not doing, says Brenda. What you focus on grows. Do you focus on fear or the joy of potentiality and possibility? As a certified global executive leadership coach, Brenda Bentz works with leaders at the highest levels of major multinationals across the world. Known for her inspiring, long-lasting, positive changes in mindset and behavior, Brenda has coached over 1,000 executives who hail from over 60 nationalities and 70 industries. Recognized by Thinkers50 as a world leader in coaching, Brenda is also consistently ranked by global gurus as a top 10 executive coach and a top 10 branding guru. With an MBA from Harvard Business School, Brenda began her career building mega brands for companies like Procter & Gamble and Bristol Myers Squibb, where she was a senior executive responsible for billion-dollar businesses across four continents and 50 countries. 
Brenda then left the corporate world to start her global executive coaching and motivational speaking business. Today, she is trusted by many of the world's most recognized companies. Given her experience as a Fortune 100 leader, Brenda brings to her coaching practice firsthand knowledge of the challenges faced by top executives in today's rapidly changing and uncertain times. A pioneer and thought leader in the field of leadership branding, Brenda is also one of a handful of professional speakers worldwide who has earned the coveted title of Global Certified Speaking Professional. The author of 11 award-winning books on coaching, leadership, and branding, Brenda has also been featured in several hundred media outlets and publications around the world. As a sought-after podcast guest, Brenda offers listeners fresh perspectives and new ways of reframing situations. Having lived outside her native homeland for the past 20-plus years, Brenda has learned to approach life and career with a good sense and a good dose of humor. She is an avid Mahjong player and has followed her way through trying to learn six foreign languages. Let us welcome Brenda Bench to the Follow the Brand podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Welcome, everybody, to the Follow the Brand podcast. You know, I don't often get an opportunity to talk to people from my home state of Nebraska. And I, I that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk to someone that's from Lincoln, Nebraska, or at least she went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, but she's out in Singapore right now, which is a whole other world. I'm sitting here in the night. She's in the day. You don't realize how big this planet is till you realize, wow, yeah, there's a whole different lunar solar cycle depending on where you're at. And that brings us to our moment of truth right now. We're going to talk to an industry expert in personal branding. She has been recognized for years upon years upon her pioneering spirit, how she has led executive leadership coaching and personal branding for individuals worldwide. I'm going to bring to the stage Ms. Brenda Vince. She's going to talk to us. She's going to talk to me about her story and why she is passionate about what she does. So Brenda, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, first of all, Grant, thank you so much. I love your energy. I love your spirit. This is going to be great. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, so my story, gosh, where do I start? So my passion, I love, so, okay, let me go back. I started in big corporate worlds. That's where I, I started my business career for the most part in big after business school. And I wanted to, I found two things that really spoke to me. I love the, the combination of leadership and branding and how the two fit together. And no one was really talking about that at that time. And I thought, oh, there's something there that really speaks to me. I had spent years building brands for big corporations, Procter & Gamble, Bristol-Myers Squibb. You know, I was in charge of two $1 billion businesses and brands that were driving. I know how to build a brand. Like I had built brands for, my, for the bulk of my career up to that point. And I just wanted, I kept thinking there's something between leadership and branding and leadership and branding and how the two mesh together to help leaders build the kind of brands that they really want. So I took the same concepts that corporations use to build a brand. And I know there's a tried and true system to do that. 
And I applied it to leaders and help leaders build the kind of brands that they want to build to help people perceive, think, and feel about them the way they want to be perceived, thought of, and felt about, and to make sure that they're the kind of leader that others want to work for. And that's really how I've spent the bulk of my, the last 20 years is building my own business doing that. Well, and I, I speak it. on it. I, I go on go it. back mm-hmm. even further a little bit. We want to talk about first your brand, because I need to hear this story, how this girl from Lincoln, Nebraska, ends up in Singapore running multi-billion dollar brands. I need to hear that story. How did this happen? Yeah, well, so I did grow up in the Midwest, right? And I always kind of joke uh, to people who are from West Coast and East Coast, they say, where are you from? And I'll say, and and they'll kind of this stunned look on their face. I'll say, you know, if you it's between New York and Los Angeles. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, uh, it's the easiest place, right, to figure that out. But I grew up there and um, something happened to me in my college years. I had never thought of going overseas. I'd never done anything like that. But I was an English major, Grant. And when you're an English major at the university where I went, you had to have, you had to have as as a minor, one of three things philosophy, which wasn't my stick back then. I could have possibly enjoyed that today. I would love that. Religion, which again, wasn't really my thing back then, or a foreign language. Now, my sister was a foreign language teacher, French. And so I went to her and I said, look, I've got to choose a minor and it's going to have to be a foreign language. If I choose French, will you help me? She said, yes, sure. Well, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with learning a foreign language. It became like a second, second language for me. And at the end of my senior year, my one of my professors, my French professor, came to me and he said, you know, you really should take your French and go overseas and live in France. And I remember thinking, what? I mean, I literally never thought of being overseas before. I said, well, okay. So anyway, he gave me an opportunity to do that. So I went over and spent just three months in France. And that was it. I was bit. Like, I was bit by the international bug. I, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. But I had a feeling I was going to spend the bulk of my life outside of the United States. Mm. And uh, I went back to Nebraska, long story short, um, got into a job. But that was always in the back of my mind, going overseas, going overseas, going overseas. And sure enough, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I bought myself a one-way ticket to Paris about two years later and lived there, worked there um, and loved it connected with, uh, then I decided to come back to the U.S. again, went to business school. And as I left Procter, I went to Procter and Gamble to work because again, I wanted to learn branding because at that time I hadn't done my branding work. So I'm leaving Procter and Gamble or I'm, I, I'm at, when I arrived at Procter and Gamble grant, <laughs> the first thing I said is I want to go overseas. The reason I'm working for a big multinational, I want to work, I want to work overseas. I want to work overseas. I want to work overseas. And sure enough, I kept every six months when I had my reviews, I went to work overseas. And sure enough, one day they called me and said, okay, we're going to send you overseas. And I said, yes. And, uh, and at first they said, we're going to send you to Prague. Now, have you ever been to Prague, Grant? No, no, it's never. I've stunning. Heard it. it is stunning. I was like, I hit the jackpot, right? But about a week later, they came back and said, it's going to be Warsaw, Poland. Now, Warsaw, Poland at the time, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, that does not sound like what the kind of place I want to go. Well, it it ended up being a life changer uh, for a number of reasons. 
first of all, I went there to help start up the Eastern European division of Procter & Gamble. So I had an incredible exposure. I man- managed five uh, Baltic state uh, countries, incredible exposure, incredible learning about adapting to different cultures. Loved it. But I also met my husband there, Grant. Um, and ironically, he's from Nebraska as well. So uh, that's kind of a funny story. But anyway, from there, that was it. He and I were both very much international bug people. And uh, we moved, we lived in Poland. Then we moved to Taiwan. And then we moved to China, Shanghai, and Guangzhou. Then we moved to Bangkok, Thailand. And now we live in Singapore. So we've been outside the United States almost 30 years. So this is a wonderful, wonderful story. It's, it's, it's just almost like a fantasy, you know. One of those this beautiful stories that you're doing what you love to do. You had an intention. You got the bug. You knew you wanted to like, look, I, I love my United States. I'm American, but I, I love being involved in other cultures. I want to know, what, how did you leverage your love of branding? How did that happen to, to help you to, to escalate and to be promoted to a point to where you're running the branding and marketing for these large corporations? Well, look, you know, I always, and a lot of the entrepreneurs say to me, how, you know, I want to do what you do. So how do I do that? And my number one answer when they're always surprised to hear this is go work for a big company first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you, because you will learn so much. And frankly, you'll do it on their payroll instead of learning it on your own when you start your own business and learning the hard way, you know, which can cost you time and money and all those types of things. But no, look, I, I really loved, first of all, I loved what I did. I loved branding. I only joined Procter & Gamble. I said, I'm just going to do this for like a year and a half to make myself dangerous in branding and marketing, and then I'll move on. That didn't happen. I stayed for many, many years. I loved it. I was like a fish in water. I loved building brands. I loved the concept because really brand building grant is it's an inner work. You've got to understand the customer. You've got to understand what makes them tick, what their dreams are, what their fears are, what their, you know, it, what, what, what they want in life. And it really started me down that path of un- greater understanding of others. And it's funny because you wouldn't necessarily think that branding does that, but it does. To be a really great brander, you have to know the guts of people. And there's an intuition to it too. So I loved it. And as I, I just kept making my way up and up and up the organization. And uh, I remember when I first started at Procter & Gamble, the, the then VP of my division, who ended up becoming the chairman and CEO for many years, he, uh, he, he kind of took me under his wing. And he, he said, you, you work here. I promise you, you take care of us. We'll take care of you. And he was, he held to that. I really did very well there, moved up the ladder very quickly, loved it, but really loved building brands, not just in in, an or, in a country that I understood, like the United States, but to do it in other countries where I had to get into the minds of other people and different cultures and respect those cultures and understand how those cultures were different and how that was impacting their buying behaviors and what they wanted from a brand standpoint. So anyway, it just, you, I just kept moving my way up, 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 up and making sure that I was very clear on my goals. Mm-hmm. What did I want to achieve? Procter & Gamble had reviews every six months. You've got your annual, like, instead of an annual review, you've got one every six months. And every six months, I was very clear on what my goals were. I would agree very clearly what success looked like. And then I would work towards that. 
And I think too many times today, we don't do that enough. Really setting goals. What am I going to do in the next three months? What does success look like in the next six months? How will I measure it to make sure I got there? And that's really how I moved up the ladder pretty quickly in the corporate world. I'm going to ask you this. When it comes to brand characteristics, the brand events brand characteristics, would you list out like intuition, empathy, uh, thought leadership? What, what, What would that sound like, you think, from other people? Well, it's funny you asked that. I actually do. Uh, I am a very intuitive person. I, I am. I think that's something you can improve and strengthen. By the way, but I am a very intuitive person. And it's funny when people ask me about my brand, which I get a lot. Um, I wouldn't say intuitive. I guess it's just such a natural part of me that I don't think about it that way. But on the other hand, I do do an exercise, what I call the five words exercise, Grant. And I do this with my clients too. And we can do. It today with you, if you'd like, but I like to ask people, picture this, you're walking out of um, a training that you've just delivered or a town hall where you've presented to the total company or, you know, a, a client meeting, et cetera. And you kind of say goodbye and you walk out and all, f- and all the people in the room turn to each other and say, wow, he's really, what are the five words you would like them to say about you <laughs> the five adjectives yeah right yeah yeah he's really whatever what 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 yeah and for me i have defined those five words 20 years ago when i started my business uh my own personal business uh, to talk about how i left the corporate world and did that if you'd like but i started my own business and five words exercise i i knew that i needed to create my own brand positioning statement which is what um i encourage my clients to do and what i coach them to do but one of those things is just getting really clear on those five words, Grant. And my five words, well, it's fun. You could always guess what they are. But I do that with clients. Sometimes I'll ask, what do you think my five words are? Just to see that I'm on track. But those five words drive everything that I do. Everything. Everything on my website. Every conversation I have. Am I coming through in those five, with those five words in mind? And when you do that, it's just such a beautiful alignment of your brand because what you think and what you want to be and what you feel actually comes out in the way you act, react, look, sound, and think. Now, well, now we've got the audience, you know, we're curious, right? Right? You've got that dramatic tension. Well, what are the five words? What all right. Words? So those are, these are the five words that I live by. First of all, expert. You know, you need to be an expert in what you do. You just, you have to be an expert in what you do. Um, And many ways that I do that, but one of, you know, write books and study. I study a lot to make sure that I am always the best at what I can be. So expert, professional. I think it's important to understand people like, oh, I want to be a great speaker. I want to be a great coach. That's fine. But are you a professional speaker? Are you a professional coach? There's a difference. Approachable. I think it's really important to have that sense of people can feel comfortable reaching out to me and they're approachable. I'm approachable. Engaging. I love two way conversations, whether it's on stage in front of an audience, whether it's with a one on one client or a group coaching client. That's really important as well. And then lastly, humorous. You know, we all want to have some fun, right? You got to have some fun. So, 
Um, I love telling, telling fun stories from the stage. I engage coaching clients by helping them understand from fun stories and that type of thing. So yeah, those are my five expert, professional, approachable, engaging, and humorous. Well, you have mirrored perfection right there because I, I see all those five things shining very clearly in our discussion. I want to take this now to if you're working with a client from a business perspective, meaning you work with a lot of senior executives. You've been exposed to a lot of senior executives. You understand you know, when you're off stage, just like I say, you know, you when you're on stage, you're on camera, you're on a show, but you come off stage and you are able to coach professionals or people that are have you know extreme responsibility. Because just because you have a title, that means you have greater responsibility. You're a VP, senior VP, CEO. What does that look like? You're able to coach from the inside out. That is your style. My audience is a lot of healthcare professionals and executives throughout the U.S. in the healthcare arena and also in information technology. If I were the executive standing in front of me for our first consultation, let's say, what would be the most important thing that you would need to understand? in our first meeting? Well, I work with very high level leaders, okay, who are facing challenges. And all those challenges, Grant, it seems that they're on the outside, right? Like with your clients, you talk about the people who are listening today, managing multiple stakeholders, leading a team or an organization, making sure you hit the numbers, right? Pressure from investors, uh, watching your public image, making sure you get, you get along with people up, down, across within the organization, whatever it might be. And the thing is, it's the old adage, it's lonely at the top really holds true. Like who do you turn to when you need support and help? You know, you can't talk to your superiors necessarily. You can't necessarily talk to your direct reports, peers. Sometimes people see peers as comp competition. So, you know, people will come to me for executive coaching. And when they do, they're often seeking support for those outside challenges, Grant, right? What's going on on the outside? And of course, we address that. But more importantly, during that first session, what I do is help them understand that to keep those issues from resurfacing again and again, we're going to need to address what's going on on the inside. What are those self-limiting beliefs that might be holding a leader back from being truly fulfilled in their work or in how they see and interact others? Because once you change the inside, you will change the outside too. I'll give you an example. Just last week, I met with a leader uh, and one of the most financially well-off leaders that I personally know. Now, people would consider him extremely successful from the outside, right? But when I asked him about his stress levels, I said, on a scale of one to 10, one is low and 10 is high. And this was our first meeting, by the way. So I'm, again, I'm scaling what's kind of figuring out what's going on. One is low, 10 is high. Where would you rate your stress on a going basis, like on a regular day? He said nine or 10. Now I said, okay, well, that's, that's high. You know, for me, that, for me, I asked that question of many executives, that's high. Mm. And he was surprised. He thought that was normal. And I said, no, it's not. 
And so he and I spent about 30 minutes addressing just stress, which by the way, is a choice. Okay. But the point about, about stress is it impacts your brand. If you're stressed on the inside, you are going to act, react, look, sound differently on the outside than you may want to come across. So I helped him to see that stress was a choice that he was making internally. And by the time we were done, he had some great mind-blowing breakthroughs because he realized that the problem was all inside of himself. And once he knew that, he could take charge of it and he could use the, this new knowledge to drive the change. And that change, we talked about how is that change going to make a difference? It's going to reverberate through every person he works with, every client he engages with, every deal he makes in his work. Just from changing that one shift of, I thought stress was coming from the outside, but now I realize it's coming from the inside and it will impact the brand he builds, the way people perceive, think, and feel about him. I tell you, that that's an evolution. And you know, as an executive coach, and I've seen this on my side, you People have perception about branding. You know, when they see really the outward world, the creativity, you know, getting your brand voiced and the the whatever the, the colors and the fonts and the things like that. Like, no, we're let's step back into the person that you are. So you become more like like you're rated what number 10 or or maybe three or four, number one in in the, in the brand gurus, right? And that's what you are, a guru. What is a guru? A guru is a teacher, someone that you, first of all, you believe in, that someone that can actually bring you to a higher state of mind, a higher state of consciousness. And I've heard this many, many times from different people that a miracle is a changed state of consciousness. And what you just described just there, taking someone through your process, through your program, so they can then open up and see things differently, see things clearly, and they can de-stress, right, and then begin to allow their natural skill sets uh, to be unleashed in their tools because their mindset is not so locked in, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is about a change in perception. And change in perception is foundational. Uh, we grow up thinking that it's the outside impacting us, but when we realize it's really us impacting the outside, it changes everything. And then what happens is, Grant, it's not about uh, leadership is not about what you're doing as much as it is about how you are being. Mm -hmm. You know, we, the old joke: we're we're human beings, not human doings, right? So, so, but we tend to focus on what we're doing, which is the outside stuff. You know, people will come to me and say, I want to improve my executive presence. Yeah. You know, I want to learn to stand up and speak in front of people and orate well. And, and that's fine. That's the outside. But I'll guarantee you executive presence starts on the inside and usually with a state of confidence. Now, do you so have a framework, a formula that you work with and say, hey, you've got me. I'm signing up. You know, I've had the first <laughs> consultation. You are right. You, you, you've got me looped in. Is this a four-week project? Is it six weeks? Is it 10 months? Help me understand. Well, I appreciate you asking that because so many people say, I'll call me up and say, hey, I want to do some coaching. You know, I want to do about maybe a month or two. And I say, well, you can do that. You can do that. But here's the thing. Sustainable change takes time. You know, when I'm working with someone who's in their 40s, their 50s, they've got four or five decades 
of self-limiting beliefs that are holding them back from being to, from being truly fulfilled. Now, they don't realize that at first, but you can get rid of them. And I teach people how to get rid of them that will help them be the, the leaders that they want to be, have the success that they want in their in their work, in their finances, in their relationships, what have you. But you but it does take some time for a lot of people. It doesn't have to. You can change that perception pretty quickly, Grant, if you really want to. But um, but but it, to have true sustainable change takes time. And the other thing that I do is I work with stakeholders with them. So I don't just interview, I don't just work with them, but I want to understand from their stakeholders who are working with them day in and day out, are, what changes are you seeing? Because you can change anything on the inside. I remember once I was working, if you're not changing on the outside, that's the problem. I remember once I was working with a gentleman and he kept telling me, it's, I mean, he, every time we met, he was like, I'm getting it. It's really sinking in. I'm feeling it's so exciting. You know, I see the change in my perception. And I was really like, yes, this is great. And um, I spoke to his, his uh, stakeholders at work, not I don't know, a few months later. And they're like, they haven't seen a single thing that's changed. So he was trying, he thought he was changing on the inside, but he wasn't changing on the outside. Right. So I work with stakeholders. I work with stakeholders in the workplace. I want to understand what the experience is of working with that executive on a day in and day out basis. Are they making changes? Are they making visible, noticeable changes in the way they act, the way they react, the way they look, the way they sound, what they say, how they say it? That is true accountability. Yeah. We're going to be accountable because it's in, it's important because you're leading such a large organization. There's thousands of other people that are yeah. um, that that are at stake, right? That's what I mean. Absolutely, they, they are absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I love that you say that because so many times I work with a lot of C-suite executives, CEOs, and it's quite fun because usually um, one of the first things that I will say to them is. I help them understand that they are one person. Let's say they're running 15,000 person organization. You are just one person in that 15,000 people. Yeah, you have some responsibilities that can impact all those people, but you are just one. If you really want to get everybody in the boat with you on a mission, on a vision, you have to really work at bringing them with you. It's going to be about how you are being and what you are saying, but it's really about helping them realize that those stakeholders are the foundation of success. You cannot do anything on your own with that company. You have to have people in the boat with you. And that's why I call it leadership. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I know, I know, bad joke. But the truth no, no, is, no. It, but it gives you a vision and you understand because especially now, right now. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www5 
fivestarbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. That we are in this world crisis. We just came out of a, we go from one crisis to another. So there's a lot of crisis. And then we look to leadership like, all right, you know, it's almost like in America, right? You have football, right? You got to get in the huddle like, all right, we just had whatever change just happened. We had a fumble, we had an interception. We had something that just upset the game. What do we do next? And all eyes are on you, right? Yeah. How do you manage in a state of crisis? That's when yeah. you really know if you've made a change. How did you respond you know, to that event? And did that come from the inside out? Or was it that same old, like you said, you know, over time, you got 30, 40 years of habits that you built up. How does that really do? Do you coach through that as well? Absolutely. Look, um, people ask me how my business did during COVID. And I said, it's never been better. <laughs> people reached out, right? Leaders are like, what's going on? How do I manage in this new environment? This is completely different than anything I've ever managed before. I don't think COVID was just the biggest healthcare crisis we've had in 100 years maybe ever globally. I think it was also the biggest leadership crisis that we experienced in the past hundred more years, maybe even longer, because we all it all happened at the same time. Everyone was experiencing the same challenge at the same time. When does that happen in our lives, right? So, and to the same extent for most people, it was really an extraordinary time. And what happened was leaders had to reconfigure, prioritize, change priorities, look inward a lot more, not just look inward in themselves, but look in, inward in the organization because wellness became such a big issue. And, and you mentioned healthcare and your, your listeners in healthcare. Boy, I got a lot of healthcare work during COVID because people are like, what am I going to do? I coached the head of human resources for one of the largest hospital chains in the world. Can you imagine? Yeah. Head of human resources, the largest. I mean, I can't even think about... How much, how challenging that was. This person said, for the first time in my life, I'm making policies around what happens when someone dies on the job. You know, just, I mean, it was, it was incredible. So we have to look at well-being and that's something we never really considered as leaders before. Certain areas of businesses started taking the forefront. Supply chain, sleepy old supply chain that used to be in the back room and nobody paid attention to. Suddenly those leaders are catapulted. Those Supply chain leaders were catapulted to the to the limelight on stage in front of everybody. And the whole the whole company's success was depending upon them. That's a lot of pressure. I coached the global head of of uh, of supply chain for a massive pharmaceutical company during during COVID. So you can start to see how all these shifts were taking place and how we choose to respond in a crisis defines us. Yeah. It really defines us as leaders. And so really was helping them stay calm, cool, collected, recognizing that being gentle on themselves, Grant, yeah. gentle on themselves, because too many times we're blaming ourselves for things that went wrong that were really outside of our control. And so, yeah, it was an incredible experience. And I think we learn a lot from crisis and leadership. I, I think what you just said there, I, I you know, I, did a lot of study like on World War II and things like that. That's the, you have your Churchill moment, 
It returned yeah. to a moment, right? Yeah. The bombs are out there. You know, the Germans are coming. It, they just run over all these other countries. This is a moment of truth. And you've got to run into the fire. I talked to some IT professionals just a couple of weeks back, like, wow, everybody's concerned about getting COVID. They got to go on these different wards. And they had to like, look, we are in healthcare. You chose this as a profession. We've got to run into the fire, not away from it. And it, it shows your fortitude. It shows a lot of fortitude. And you know what's interesting with your World War II analogy, and it's a good one. It's a really good one, Grant. But what's interesting about COVID was the enemy was intangible. The enemy was not something we could see or touch or, and we didn't know when it was coming or where it was coming. And I mean, it was so intense and on a global scale. I really don't think we've experienced anything like that ever, really, because even when there was the Spanish flu back in, you know, back in the early 1900s, not everybody in the world was impacted because we didn't travel back then the same way we travel today. And so literally, I don't think there's ever been, well, to my knowledge, in a situation where every leader in the world was kind of facing a similar challenge. It was impressive. And the technological advancements that we have, the society that we have constructed, you know, in this century. And then we learned that technology did come through, that we were able to to do things on a global communication scale that we never tested. But guess what? (laughs) We know it now. And it's catapulting us into hurling us into a whole nother stratosphere of, yeah. of situations and circumstances that just weren't there. We're, we're running at laser speed and, and what's happening. So if you're a leader and you're used to a certain style, I know you talk about this a lot, about change, managing change, managing yourself change, because this ship is on a roller coaster <laughs> and it is not going anywhere. How are you advising your leaders right now, right now, we're now we've come out of COVID, but now we're in this financial crisis and everybody's like, how do, how do I manage through that? I've got to like start to look at, you know, shrinking workforces and, and then, you know, making changes, how do we grow? How do we manage? What do you, what is your message? Well, a couple of things. Number one, I, what you focus on grows. Mm-hmm. So I coach leaders, where do you want to focus? You want to focus on what's going badly, what's going wrong, because I guarantee you, you do, and you'll it'll exacerbate and kind of snowball and make it worse and worse and worse. So you really have to be objective. Are you looking at things from a place? I think there's only really two mindsets, two foundational thought systems. One is based on fear, and one is based on what I call the joy of possibility, uh, the potentiality, what could be. And it's an interesting to see, to see what's happening with leaders today, because those that are succeeding are those that are really looking at this as a potentiality. You know, you mentioned this as well in terms of our technology blossom boomed during COVID because we had to. Mother was the invention of necessity. Necessity was the mother of invention, right? We had to, but boy, I remember I talked to some IT people and you have your IT listeners. IT went, we made two years of progress in two months. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was extraordinary what happened. And so again, out of crisis can come wonderful things, can come opportunity. And so even today, as clients are having to downsize in some situations, particularly in the IT field, how do you use that to make the organization even better? 
not just from, okay, the lower costs of not having as many people, but how do you restructure? How do you look at your business strategically differently now because you're going to um, have have work be done in a different way based on that? I'll give you another example, Grant. Yeah. So many, so many leaders are still struggling today with what seems like an old topic, but it's not hybrid working. So many leaders are struggling with this still. Just last week, I was talking to a CEO who really loves being in person, but he just took on a new position where 100% of the workforce is remote. And so we had to really come through this and really work through this concept. And I think a lot of this is, again, it's an internal thing, right? You've got to get past that. I call it the, 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 in the, the, uh, in the virtual mental barrier. <laughs> uh, you got to get over the fact that it isn't about the how you communicate. I can communicate by phone, by, by zoom, by, you know, in person, by homing pigeon, whatever I can communicate. That's the how it's the, what that matters. It's the connection that you're making with somebody. It's the intention that you have of making a connection with whether it's a town hall, whether it's a one-on-one conversation. So you have to get leaders thinking about the what, the bigger picture, the strategic structures, um, then rather than the how. Get past the virtual mental barrier because that is going to be key to our success moving forward in this world. We are going to be virtual to some extent. You know, yeah, people are the distributed workforce. Are. You have the physical layer you've been used to, you know, um, working in human-specific areas, right? And you've managed to that. Then you've gone to this digital world, so it's more hybrid. So you have the you have the physical world, you have the digital world. But now you, you see what's happening, and it will be online in a large way, probably the next three or four years, that you will have this virtual reality. And that'll give you more um, exposure and, and, and depth in your communications when you go virtual because the, the limitations that you're probably seeing in the digital world, you, it won't, won't be as evident in the virtual world. It'll be very, 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 almost very, very real in different ways. Mm-hmm. How do we get ready for that? Some of us are not ready for that. We weren't even ready for the digital age. Now you got to get ready for the virtual age and you have yeah. to be thinking about this. I know a lot of leaders, you have to look at like, what is my, five-year landscape look like? How do I navigate to that point? Is this or is that? I tell people all the time, do not get dismayed what you've heard or you've probably seen in the fintech world when it came to what, you know, the the meltdown with uh, what happened with FTX is another company, right? That same thing happened in the dot-com area. Same thing happened in the dot, you know, dot, the, the boom and then the bust. This is going to happen because we're developing, we're, we're growing. But I guarantee you, just like now, you've got your Googles and your Apples and your Ubers. They're all dominating the landscape. Those are digital companies. What's going to happen? Who's going to dominate as a virtual company? That's what you're going to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, and then no matter what happens, <clears throat> I think <clears throat> there's, a, there's a strategic framework I've been encouraging this, the clients I work with to explore. And I like to use the analogy of a, a, a swim team. Let's pretend swim team. Let's pretend that you have been just assigned the Olympic swim team coach, okay, for the next Olympic swim team. 
And if you sit and think about the team that you're going to be running, there are different parts of that team that operate in different ways of independence that will make a difference about how you lead them. Okay, so for example, you have your individual swimmers. They're just running their own race. They're trying, they're working against themselves, their own, how fast they can get their their times to swim back and forth, whatever. They're on their own and they are independent in the race. Um, So they don't have to hand off work to anybody else or a baton to anybody else. They're just swimming and trying to beat their own best time. You probably have some people on your own business team that are like that. Secondly, you have those that are, let's call it passing the baton, right? You, you, you swim your strokes and you hit the side of the pool. They jump in and swim theirs. And you're a team, you're a relay race team. And so you do your work and then you pass it on to someone else that they can do their work and then they pass it back on to somebody else. Is that the kind of team that you have, right? And if so, what does that mean for when you, how often you need to work together and in what ways? And then lastly, you have synchronized swimming. you've got to be in the same pool at the same time together face-to-face to to make that work. You cannot do that remotely. So again, think about your own teams. Do you have some parts of the job where you need to be a relay team, where you need to be doing synchronized swimming? Or are people just kind of on their own doing their own individual races uh, to do the best work they can do on their own? And I think when you get leaders to look at it from that perspective, and recognize that it isn't black or white. We need to be 100% in the workplace or 100% on remote. It's, it's a mixture and it's appropriate to, uh, to customize the work according to the various scenarios. I'm glad you said that because we're in another different period of time where we've got so many different um, generations of people in the workforce and they they have they they're used to different tool sets, mm-hmm. right? And they're they're all over the place. So those tool sets, like you get somebody like, why do I need to go to the office when I've got everything I need right here? You know, right. but I need you, you know. But then sometimes, like, well, you're not getting that human one-on-one connectivity and sharing of ideas because you can't do all of that, you know, in the platform that you're on. But there's different familiarities, right, that that take place and what you're familiar with and then what can really elevate your skill. I want you to be comfortable, I would figure, comfortable in, in, in the environment that you can then begin to scale up your skill sets. And that's, and that's, like you said, it could be different for so many different yeah, people. It is. And I think that in the best leaders, and we all know this, the best leaders don't tell people what the hybrid workforce is going to look like or tell people what days we're going to be in the office, what days we aren't going to be at. That doesn't work. Telling doesn't work anymore. You know, there's been a power shift dynamic that has happened through COVID too. And that is that, or at least we'll see if it shifts back, but it shifted what leader decides to no employees decide. <laughs> um, it really has been a power shift. Now with a lot of layoffs coming, maybe it's going to shift the other way. We'll see. But my point is the best leaders are going to sit down and say, here's the analogy of the swim team, okay? Mm-hmm. I would encourage you each to think, what percentage of the time are you on a single lane? You know, you need to get work done just all by yourself. And, and that's what's most important. 
what percentage of the time would you actually need to work with someone else because there's work that you're handing off? What percentage of the time are you doing synchronous swimming? You know, you've got to be in the same room doing work together and help them decide, all right, now I see why I need to do that. When you can help others see why they need to do it, then they're bought into 95% of buy-in is based on them coming up with a solution, right? Oh, 95% of There's a reason why you've written as many books as you have, that you've been <laughs> recognized on the worldwide stage for your expertise and that people trust in your leadership. They trust in your judgment and you've been doing this uh, successfully for you know a number of years, and I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I just have one other general question. Just a request of all the things that we've talked about, and we've talked about a number of things. What would would you? I'm going to give you the mic. Is there something that we've left out, or something you really want to say? I want you to address my audience, and 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 kind of close this out. One of the things I would say is invest in yourself. And that investment is not just financial. I, you know, I'm not just saying go hire a coach, go hire or whatever. I'm just saying invest in yourself with time. You know, one of the things that I encourage people to do, and one of the things I do religiously is I spend one day per week not seeing clients, not on stage. I call these days my focus days, Grant, and usually it's Wednesday, but not always. Um, and I hold them truly sacrosanct. Why? On those days, I read, I write, I work with my team on projects we're developing. I create new intellectual property. It is time reserved for me and my own development. What I have found today in today's world is in our work busy work world, leaders aren't taking enough time for themselves. Really, like it is an epidemic of not of running from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to push the button, to push the button, to push the button. And they're not giving themselves time to reflect, to think, to. And the best time that when you will come up with the best ideas, the most interesting, innovative new ways of thinking, which will drive our future, is when you can have those time for yourself. And so one of the things I encourage just as a start is block 10 minutes between each meeting. 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, to pause, don't look at emails, to pause and say, what did I just take out of that meeting? What, what's the key thing that I took away from that? Now, my next scheduled meeting is in five minutes. Okay, what's my intention on that meeting? What do I want to uh, gain and learn from that meeting? How will I contribute to that meeting? How can I make the most significant impact with that meeting? And then set a plan for what I'm going to achieve in that meeting, right? And then when you come out of that meeting, you sit for another five minutes. You say, okay, what did I do? How did it turn out the way I anticipated? Was I present? Was I, you know, was I really contributing? And all this kind of thing, just these simple little things. You'd be surprised the impact it can have on individuals and, and leadership and the way you are being, not just what you're doing. So that would be my suggestion. Make sure that people take time for themselves. We're just not doing that today. And I know we have a lot of, we're being torn and pulled in a lot of directions, but I'm telling you, it's one of the most important things you can do, especially because it helps center you on the inside so that you can be on the outside, what you really need to be. I completely agree. I heard focus, having that clear 
mm-hmm. focus because we've got so many distractions, so much right. is coming at us all at one time. Where it's almost like a movie, right? Where you, you see all the scenery and everything is happening in front of you, but you're unmoved. You know, and you can step back and like, okay, I'm gonna participate, but I'm gonna move forward with intention. I love that suggestion. That is wonderful. So if the audience needs to get in touch with you. Now, before I even say that, do you have any new books, new speaking engagement, anything <laughs> that, that's important that we need to know about in 2023? Um, well, I'm actually writing. So I've written 11 books so far, Grant, and I'm, I'm number 12 and 13 are both being worked on at the same time. I, people are saying, how are you doing that? But I'm like, no, it's like eating popcorn. I eat a little bit from this book and then I do this book and this book and it works just fine. Um, so I got a new book coming out and actually, and it's the first time I've announced this to anybody, Grant, um, right here on your show. Um, I'm going to write a book that I wanted to write 15 years ago and I put it off and put it off and put it off and I'm finally writing it. And it is that it is a book, never have jet lag again. I know it sounds like, but let me tell you, I don't have jet lag. Now, Grant, you know, I work and live across six continents all the time. I'm traveling, right? Especially back since COVID. I travel all the time. I'm literally hundreds of thousands of miles a year and I never have jet lag. And I have a system tried and true that I have taught dozens of people who come back and say, oh my goodness, I used to suffer from days where I had to trying to recover before and after. And it, and they said, this is saving me time, money, cost. Why don't you write a book about this? People would say. So I finally said, you know what? As we all get back on planes again, I'm, the book is coming out. So I'm excited about that. That should be out. If not the end of this year, it'll be next year. Um, but never have jet lag again. It is a whole brain approach to how to avoid jet lag and arrive in the perfect shape you want to arrive. So I'm excited about that. After all these years, I'm finally going to write that. I'm completely excited. I can't believe there's a book that actually teaches you how to do that. Because if you're like right now, I think we're probably with 12, 13 hour difference. Um, 13 right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can imagine 13 hour time difference in, in your body and then your adjustments. I know I used to fly down to Seattle all the time from Miami in five hours and believe me i started feeling it after really the second day it was like oh okay this is different mm-hmm. you know so yeah. yeah we gotta tune into that book that makes it yep. very special i hope you've enjoyed your your interview with the follow oh grant i really have i tell you what i love about you as an as an interviewer you're very natural very personal but you also ask really great questions and and really probing questions and i appreciate that i'm sure your listeners do too so Thank you so much for well, letting no, me be here. Thank you. And for my listeners, if they need to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Yeah, just go to my website, probably the easiest, um, brandabents.com. Also, I'm on LinkedIn. I have quite a good LinkedIn uh, activity there. I have a YouTube channel, Brenda Bents International. So I'm on all the social media. So feel free to reach out any way you'd like. I always love connecting. And the other thing I love about your brand is that you got a lot of free articles and content to get people kind of started, you know, get get the juices flowing, get warmed up, and you begin to understand, all right, there is a path forward. So I really, really appreciate that you do that uh, on your particular uh, different uh, platforms that you have. Absolutely. And for your audience, they need to get in touch with me. They can definitely do so at www.5starbdm. That is B for brand, D for development, and for masters.com. This has been for wonderful 
my Nebraska buddy. (laughs) Go Huskers. Go Huskers. Thank you very much. Thank you, Grant. You're welcome.